All right. Good evening. Welcome to Pat and Rod Save the World. I'm Roderick Makem. Pat Brown's also here, feeling a little bit concerned about uh, an article that uh, Rod and I both read from the uh, Electronic Frontier Foundation entitled Australian Government Scrambles to Authorise Mass Surveillance. You'll forgive us for having an interest in this, being Australian as we are. We thought it uh, worthy of comment because it's indicative of problems, really, that uh, I think the entire Western world is facing right now. Yeah. If I could, uh, if I could start with a very general comment. Go ahead. Uh, it's basically uh, my belief that any Western politician who trades uh, freedom for security is a coward. <laughs> I agree with you on that. Um, I think that it's really unfortunate that the debate about terrorism and the reasonable measures that we should take to combat it is missing the idea that there are certain acceptable risks. Um, you can even make the argument, as I do quite often, that if it came down to letting one or two terrorist attacks through, that would be preferable to giving up um, our rights under these surveillance programs. Um, I would be happy to subject myself and my loved ones to a very, very, very slightly raised risk of dying in a terrorist attack in order to preserve freedoms. And I think that people in public discourse are terrified of admitting that that might be the outcome of preserving certain freedoms. That's, uh, I think, what it comes down to, that, uh, that element of risk. And it, no, one, uh, no one would say there is no risk to Australia or America or wherever um, of, uh, of a, a terrorist attack, even a serious terrorist attack, arising out of um, the latest fuckwits in the Middle East. Um, but at the end of the day, if you believe the rhetoric that uh, the terrorists hate us because of our freedoms and you believe the rhetoric that uh, people have fought and died for our freedoms in the past, uh, then surely all you're doing by taking those away in the face of uh, threats from terrorism is A, quite literally letting the terrorists win, if that's what you believe their aims are, and, and B, just spitting in the face of those all those people you're claiming to, uh, to honour who have died for freedoms in the past. It's... Um, it's not, and it's not as though there aren't already laws against the uh, the things that the, the the terrorists are trying to do, or the if you don't want to use the word terrorist, and I, I don't really like using that because it I think it gives them a, a more legitimacy than they're they're worth. They're they're fuckwits. They're criminals. They're they're crazy people. Yeah, they uh, should be treated with contempt and scorn. Yeah, it's it's. Um, in case anyone was unsure, it is actually against the law to cut someone's head off in the middle of Sydney. It's against the law to plan to do so. Uh, I don't see how rushing through a, uh, a whole raft of really quite disturbing uh, security uh, laws that, as the government are planning on doing, and which the government will probably do because the opposition so-called... Uh, the Australian Labor Party, who are just 
Just useless. I think the word would be feckless. <laughs> would it be would it be feckless? Feckless. Yeah. Yeah, mainly because it's got an F in there. Yeah. Which means I, I think it's just a nice shortening of fucking useless. <laughs> feckless. And just to put you guys in the picture, I think it's an important thing to sort of go to the facts of this thing. The EFF basically say that they consider there's a serious risk that the way that the legislation that is being rushed through Parliament right now is drafted, it would allow for one single warrant to authorise the surveillance of the entire internet. Now, obviously, that negates the need for any future warrants, which undermines, of course, what the legislation purports to have as a safety measure. And um, it's obviously completely unacceptable to have a loophole like that in there. But for whatever reason, it survived the hearings in the committees or whatever it is that these bills are supposedly scrutinised by. And it looks like it's going to come into law because of the feckless um, opposition We've basically already signed off on uh, on the laws. There's... Why do you think they're signing off on them, man? Uh, well, I mean, to start with, in uh, one of the other laws that uh, they're, they're talking about in this article is the um, the retention of, uh, of metadata. Um, mm. And that was originally a, uh, a Labor Party proposal, that one. Um, and uh, and at the time, there were some... Uh, some of the conservative side of politics who are all very, oh, what an attack on freedom. Of course, when they took power late last year, they are now trying to bring in the exact same thing. And since the Labor Party, uh, well, put that forward in the first place, they're not going to go against that one. Uh, and also, I think it um, it's just in a sense, because the major, uh, major media narrative in Australia, and I suspect America as well, uh, is that if you're going against uh, laws like this, then you're you're weak, you're soft, uh, all these sort of things that politicians just don't want to be. Um, that that might be another reason why why Labor are just uh, you know ignoring the opposition part of their being in opposition on these really important issues. And um, and I say really important. A lot of people go, oh, freedom is what a nebulous concept. Uh, and shit like that, but it it, it is actually something that uh, humans have fought for for centuries. Um, going, uh, it, you know, and it's a it's something that's evolved, getting getting better and better as time's gone on. Um, from uh, you know Magna Carta, which was freedom of the nobles basically, but you still had your serfs and that kind of thing, mm. and uh, and then through your various revolutions um, throughout the the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, uh, and um, I actually think that the you know the Bill of Rights in uh, and the American uh, Constitution is one of the greatest uh, documents getting around in terms of uh, a definitive statement on human freedom. Um, I have my own thoughts on where they've taken that over the. Um, couple of centuries past then but as it's as it is just as a document itself I think it's fantastic um, and uh, and we get to things like this today and uh, governments aren't interested in freedom and security they it's about control they they find they see a way of taking control over what people say and yeah. report 
and they are they are taking that opportunity in the name of uh, of protecting us. I'm I'm a little bit wary of talking about governments. Yeah. Um, I mean, let's let's try and be precise and like you know call a spade a spade. People who are attracted to government, for the most part, I think, uh, have a will to power and a desire to control the situation around them that attracts them to that job in the first place. Um, and there's this, in a, particularly in Australian politics, I think, this very strange combination of personality traits that seems to exist in these politicians where they're, they're desperate to dominate other people, but they're completely undignified individuals in the sense that they really will brown nose and, and debase themselves to get that power to dominate. And it's a strange thing because I always would have thought that if you've got an ego that instills a will to power, that pursuing power and, and, and having to do the ridiculous things that people have to do to obtain it would be blocked by the ego. So you get these sort of individuals that at the same time as having these enormous uh, sort of egos uh, are also just pathetic people in the pursuit of, of whatever influence it is they think they, they're yeah. going to have. Interesting thing today, actually. I interviewed a bloke and it was uh, about something completely unrelated to this, but uh, but something he said about his opinion on, on politics and politicians and you know, what the process does to human beings, I think is relevant here. Uh, he was just talking about how unimpressed he is with, uh, with politicians, both at a state and federal level in Australia. And that he doesn't think, he didn't think that, you know, they were all necessarily, uh, you know, bad or useless or, uh, or anything like that. But he, he just said, even, even the good people who get into politics here just get eaten up by the big machine. Um, because it's 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 a Darwinian environment that selects for certain characteristics. And if you don't have those characteristics, you will not survive. Um, I think it's as simple as that. Like I think someone should come up with an ac a branch of academia called political evolutionary biology, something of that nature. But just to to switch gears a little bit and zoom out to sort of the technological side of this. As I mentioned in the last podcast, I do a lot of web development when I'm not a lawyer. So I'm interested in this stuff. And I've always been interested in the idea of the values that underlie technology and whether or not technology in of itself has an influence over the direction we, that we move. And I think that this is a really good example of technology having what amount to underlying values in the sense that I just don't think that governments would be surveilling us like this if technology hadn't made it so easy. And you can talk about the fact that technology is always used at the behest of human beings and that it has no inherent... Um, it has no view of the world. It, it has no value judgments to make, but... To my mind, when you make certain things easier, you basically make them certain to happen. And the fact that technology has made it so easy to surveil people has sent us down a road where the government 
considers that it, it is its right to surveil us. Um, yeah. And I can see uh, I can see the argument that some people might make on on that point uh, in that people are already just voluntarily giving up so much personal information about themselves via social media and things like that. Uh, on the one hand, uh, they have the choice of doing that uh, rather than the government just uh, well, surveilling you by um, uh, force, basically. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, I would, I, would, uh, I would agree with someone making that argument, saying I don't, uh, I don't really like that either, and I don't think it says much great about the human race that all you all you really need to do to uh to get um the most personal information out of someone is just make it easy for them to give it to you and they will mm. which is really what facebook is i suppose so i am a proud uh, non-user of facebook but that's mainly because I'm a pretty uh, antisocial character. <laughs> so there's not a great cost for me not being on there. I am, of course, addicted to Twitter. But I think Twitter is a very different product in its in, in the sort of information that it collects from its users. Yeah. But um, just Did- I just think there's a great quote here from Tony Abbott on this uh, move to authorise mass surveillance. He says, For some time to come, the delicate balance between freedom and security may have to shift. There may be more restrictions on some so that there can be more protection for others, end quote. And by some, you know, that's people with brown skin. Uh. Yeah, there may be more restrictions. But there's something about just the entitlement and the incredibly broad sweep of a statement like that where he really sounds like he feels he has the right to just change a a really um, fundamental balance Mm. that we've struck in Western society over the course of a few centuries, as you were talking about. And the fact that he can say it with a straight face without acknowledging how big a deal it is and even trivialising it. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain kind of, there may be more restrictions, so there can be more protection. It just sounds like a matter-of-fact, self-evident, this is obviously the right thing to do. Yeah, it, it, it's, it seems to have been said in such a way as if the very notion that anyone would have a problem with it uh, is absurd. And That's I don't it. think it's absurd. It's um, scary. Yeah. As, um, as a journalist, one of the other uh, laws that they're trying to get through right now, which we haven't discussed yet, um, is, uh, is one that uh, could basically impose a, a term of imprisonment of up to 10 years for anyone who uh, discloses information relating to uh, special intelligence operations. Uh, so basically, if there, was a, uh, uh, if there was a Snowden or a Chelsea Manning in Australia, well... Um, that's not great for them, but also more uh, selfishly for me as a journalist, not great for journalists. Um, well, you're going to be looking <laughs> over your shoulder in a way that you previously weren't. Yeah. Anything you disclose about that you've gotten from a source, you're going to have to basically make the calculation, could this in any way be captured by these new laws? 
Um, and if uh, it is, you are risking imprisonment for a significant period of time. Yeah, and there are, um, there are a couple examples just this year alone um, that, uh, that makes me worry about that law in particular. Um, people are other, uh, in other parts of the world, apart from possibly Indonesia and East Timor, I'm not sure if we'll ever have any listeners there, uh, but anywhere else in the world probably wouldn't have heard of these. Um, but uh, Australia was in a bit of trouble uh, when it um, was leaked to the press that, uh, that A, uh, Australia was doing some very dodgy spying uh, in East Timor in relation to, a, uh, I believe it was an oil and gas deal um, in the um, big gas reserves between, uh, offshore between Timor and Australia. And also, uh, very embarrassing for Australia, when it was leaked that uh, they were ha had taps on the phones of uh, the Indonesian president and his wife. Uh, the, uh, the journalist who wrote those stories had those stories broken a couple of years from now when this law is in place. I, uh, I can only think that they would have real, real concerns about running those stories uh, if those laws were around because they are... Well, they're, they're, they're disclosing information that relates to a special intelligence operations and they could sit in jail for 10 years. I, I'm not sure I'd take that risk if it were me. Um, it, and it's the, uh, the thing about it is, you, you know, you take that risk, you get charged, uh, and then finally these laws might get tested if you, if you, take, if you appeal them and take them through the, to the high court. But it's an astonishing risk for someone to take. No one wants to be a test case in court. No. It's expensive. It's stressful, um, and ultimately, if you are the test case, then it's your freedom on the line, and no one wants to live with that sort of Damocles for a period of years through the appeals courts. Um, yeah. I think that it's a real pity that we're headed in this direction. It worries me deeply, and I'm flabbergasted that the population at large is not more concerned about it. Do you have any ideas on why it is that this seems to be accepted by the populations of the Western world it's, en masse? Well, fear is, a, fear is an amazing driver for people. It's a, it's an, it's a remarkably useful lever for, for, pe for governments and people in power to, to pull on um, and get people to, uh, to agree to things that they probably otherwise wouldn't. Um, and, uh, and that's not just Australia. That's, you know, most... Most nations have used that. Um, Truth the external enemy is something that every every nation uses to uh, get things past their populace. Could, uh, could I just make a quick point here? Yeah. I, I agree that fear is the lever. Um, I also think, though, that there are certain things to fear. And if I can, um, you know, throw up in the back of my mouth a little bit and agree with Dick Cheney, I always thought that the argument that he made about um, a smoking gun and a, and a mushroom cloud was a reasonable point to make in that there are certain terrorist attacks that can be imagined that would be so catastrophic that even a one in 1,000 chance is not worth taking um, and that we therefore have to do everything humanly possible to prevent such an attack from happening. And the obvious candidate there, the obvious scenario, is a lunatic with a nuke. And so 
I'll be honest, the idea of a terrorist with a nuclear weapon in a major population centre does scare me. Um, but I don't see that these surveillance laws are really going to prevent that from happening more than a concentration on securing nuclear and biological weapons. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be a very practical way of, uh, of limiting the threat on that score. Um, and just on, on the, the nuclear thing, because it's, uh, it's not just Cheney who's used that. Used that. Um, Obama's brought it up as well, mm. talk, uh, you know, when he's talking about, um, you know, things that, things that worry him about terrorism. Uh, and, uh, and he used the example of a nuclear bomb going off in uh, in Times Square, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, I uh, I can't help but think that if that was going to happen, it'd have happened by now. Do you think if there was uh, if there if there were nuclear weapons available for terrorists who wanted to blow up New York or London or wherever? You don't think that any time over the past 15 years uh, any of the terrorist groups would have got their hands on them and used them? I, I see that point. But at the same time, there's the opposing point in terms of calculating the risk that a terrorist only needs to get it right once. The defenders have to get it right every time. Um, and sure, they may have failed over the past 15 years, but I don't think that necessarily means they're going to continue to fail over the next 10 for the sake of argument. I mean, I really am concerned about the idea of a terrorist getting hold of a nuclear weapon, but what I don't see a great deal of in the media is a concerted effort to reduce the um, stockpiles of weapons of mass destruction and control nukes in countries like Pakistan where they drive them around in unguarded trucks. So you have a country stuffed full of Islamic extremists. It's completely destabilised by what's going on in the country next door, and they're driving nukes around in trucks. Meanwhile, Western governments are pouring billions of dollars into the coffers of the government doing that. Now, that, to my mind, is the biggest concern so far as terrorism that we have, and I see precious little about what's being done to prevent that risk from, from coming to pass. So, it, it sort of, to my mind, it puts the lie to this idea that the government really is interested in terrorism. I just think that it's an aggregate of people who aren't running a conspiracy. They just like to control shit. Yeah. They have that basic instinct and on aggregate that sort of creates a, an environment where these repressive laws are created, promulgated and brought into law against the wishes of anyone who's got neurons to rub together. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's as good a test as any. Actually, I think I mentioned before, and I think this is about freedom or security or uh, freedom or security for uh, the Australian government or uh, anywhere else you can care to mention on a similar uh, case scenario. It's about control, and that's uh, a good example, really. If it was really about securing freedom, they would be less inclined to seize your metadata and more inclined to make to uh, to uh, help Pakistan secure their nukes which we don't hear about it's um no. and at the same time I mean it was of course in some ways hilarious that uh, this government that is in possession of nukes uh, 
was at the same time, essentially it's, it's been established that they were colluding in concealing Osama bin Laden. Now, the fact that the Western governments continue to aid and abet a government in that position is just mind-boggling to me. And it really is, if you ask me, one of the greater concerns we should have about terrorism. I don't care if a dude in Lakemba with a beard gets it in his head that he wants to go out and chop people's heads off, okay? I don't care. He doesn't deserve this response. He deserves to be treated like the schmuck that he is, put in prison he deserves, and forgotten about. He deserves contempt. He deserves ridicule. He deserves to be charged. Ridicule. Put in jail. Absolutely. He is... Um, he is uh, we do not need a new national security apparatus to deal with a yeah. fuckwit from the western suburbs who decides that he's going to get religious and strike a blow for Allah. We just yeah. don't. He can, we've got the laws for that. We do. Yeah. We do. And the fact that the general population and also that the media is cheerleading it, that's what flips me the fuck out, man. As a journalist, it um, I don't really have much in the way of a defence for that. It's, uh, it's a little bit sickening, it really is. It's not just that... Um, that right now the government is trying to push through a bunch of laws that will hurt the profession of journalism more than pretty much any other profession I can think of off the top of my head. And a bunch of journalists are sitting around watching it happen because they're not just sitting around watching it happen. They are actively cheering for it. And it hurts me. <laughs> I mean, I was about to say... you. It makes sense to try and look on the light side of this, but I'm having difficulty thinking uh, of what I've we could got, laugh about. I've got one. It's, um, you know, it's, I'm not sure how funny it is, but it's certainly looking at it on a, on a lighter side of things. Um, and it's just going back to, to the idea, to that narrative that our terrorists are doing this because they hate our freedoms. Um, and I was thinking that surely if that's the case, the only response that a Western government should give any time uh, they get a terrorist threat or attack against their freedoms is to turn around and increase their freedoms, not, not decrease them. So, uh, so you've got a guy who you know, comes up on YouTube, for instance, talking about, oh, we need to uh, kidnap someone in Sydney and behead them uh, for Allah and for ISIS. Turn around and go, well, fuck you. <laughs> We're legalizing gay marriage. Take that. Um, surely that's, you know, if, and I'm not, uh, I'm not convinced, by the way, that the narrative, oh, they do this because they ha hate our freedoms, mm. is actually, you know, all that valid. But it's, it's, a, it's a narrative that certainly has a lot, of, uh, a lot of support and people believe it. And if that's the case, if that's what politicians believe, then surely rather than rolling over and destroying your own very freedoms that you're saying that the terrorists want to destroy because somehow that's not exactly playing into their fucking hands. Surely, surely what you should do is turn around and increase your freedoms just as a big fuck you to the terrorists. So, Rod, I think that we've arrived at our first concrete policy prescription. <laughs> um, and that is, uh, Tony, if you're listening... Uh, 
we think that the best way to fight back um, against the terrorists is to... Embrace more freedom. That's it. Embrace more freedom in the form of sanctifying the union between two men or two women. That's, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's an example that sprang to mind. Uh, you, maybe you could legalise, uh, maybe you could legalise marijuana. Maybe you could, what's, uh, what's some other examples? Hmm, other examples. Perhaps repeal the old terrorism laws, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a step forward in the right direction. But um, I think that uh, while we're doing our best to make light of it, it's a... Uh, Bloody depressing situation. It really is. And I, I feel uh, like the word is betrayed in a way that I haven't. I actually thought that while there was all sorts of rubbish that went on in politics, we had this baseline agreement that the government would kind of just stay out of your shit. And that's no longer assumed. Yeah. I mean, there's always been the social contract, but it's, um, I mean, he can talk about the delicate balance all he wants. It's pretty much, it's pretty much being torn up right now. It is. And what really concerns me as well from a technological perspective is that while they collect all of this data, um, I just don't know what technology is going to be capable of in 20 years. Certainly natural language processing is taking giant strides forward. And while the government typically makes light of the idea that they have rows and rows of people pouring over the uh, emails of the general citizenry, I can't see much of a difference between that scenario and one where you have algorithms that are close to artificially intelligent that have the ability to read all of our correspondence for the last few decades in, in 30, 40 years' time. That really worries me. Um, there's an old story that I read about where there's a fellow over in England, he's a gay guy, he decided to do a little bit of gay porn performing some gay porn over in England because he thought, well, hell, how's that ever going to get back to the States? I'll uh, just leave it behind, get on with my life in the US and never have any trouble with that. Of course, that was in the 80s before the internet was uh, widely available and he just didn't anticipate how easily that information could flow or what could be done with it in the future. So, you know, two decades later, he finds a picture of himself on the internet from the gay porn that he'd performed in. Not that I see any problem with that, but obviously he was concerned about it. And I think that we all need to keep in mind that while we might not be appearing in uh, Ballbusters 19, there are things that we don't want to have exposed to the world at large. It's a natural human inclination. And we don't know what forms that exposure could take in the future. We cannot imagine what technology is capable of in 30, 40 years' time. Yeah. We simply can't. Anyone who pretends that they can is having you on. And uh, with that in mind, the idea of storing gobs and gobs and gobs of information is a super scary prospect. It really is. Yeah. Um, 
you don't have to be doing anything sketchy to be concerned about how much a government agency will be able to tell about you in a few decades' time from the data that they're collecting now. So it's not just an issue of what they can do with data now. It really is also an issue of what could they do with that data in the future. Yeah, it, um, it relates to probably my most hated phrase in the English language, uh, if you're not doing anything wrong, you've got nothing to fear, which is just a red flag as soon as I hear it from someone that the person is just an intellectual pygmy. Um, That's, I, I am like that as well, Rod. Like, if I hear someone say that, I know we're supposed to be less opinionated, opinionated on this podcast. We're talking about pretty bedrock stuff here, though. And I really have difficulty taking someone's intellectual rigor seriously if they think that way. Yeah, the thing about that way of thinking and that, uh, that phrase is that, one, it shows a complete inability to think beyond yourself. And for two, a complete inability to think beyond yourself at this particular point in time. Because like you say, you don't know what, uh, you know, whether, you know, you might be fine now, but something you've said in 20 years' time might suddenly be, uh, be against the law. You, and um, something, uh, something one of your friends might say might be against the law. If you're, if you're sitting there going, oh, I'm doing nothing wrong, I don't see any problem. Why don't you just have some, why don't you just let the government come in and put cameras in your home 24 hours a day? Because in a sense, uh, in a sense, that's what the, um, you know, online surveillance is. It's, it's looking at everything you do in your online life, which for a lot of people is a lot of their life right now. Um, and only is, in, is only increasing. That's the other thing. Yeah. Again, we can't conceive of how much more uh, deeply penetrated our lives will be by technology over the next decade particularly. Yeah. It's really on an upswing. And right now, governments are bringing into place uh, an infrastructure that allows them to monitor us in ways that our ancestors would never have dreamed we would accept. I mean, if, if Facebook and, and private messages and emails are analogous to the papers that were contemplated in the search and seizure provisions of the US Constitution, there is no fucking way that the founders of the United States would have allowed for the search and seizure of that information. If you got the founders, explain to them all of the all of the bits and pieces you need to know to understand email, they would never be okay with email being seized and processed by government departments. Well, they uh, they believed in the uh, the balance of freedom and security, favoring freedom in general. They did, and I think the other thing that's worth mentioning about metadata, because you often hear from governments, oh well, it's just metadata, nothing more than what's on the outside of a letter. That's a glib way I've heard it put. Yeah. And I think that the really important thing to note here is that actually metadata is in many ways, the collection of metadata is more pernicious than the information inside a communication. Metadata, of course, being information about the communication rather than the substance inside. And a good example was given to me um, by a friend of mine where if a person calls an abortion clinic and they confirm an appointment time, to the casual listener of a phone tap, 
that sounds like a medical appointment being organized and it's totally innocuous. But if you have the metadata and you know that this person is calling an abortion clinic, now you all of a sudden are in possession of information that person won't want you to have in many cases. And I think that that's a really stellar example of yeah. just how silly an assumption it is to, to have that metadata is just, it's benign information collection. Yeah. It is not benign. It is really, really um, invasive. Yeah. Um, and continuing that, that we just don't know how much further this can go. This is one I don't, uh, don't actually know too much about, so I might need to ask your help on this one. Um, but is it the case that now or is it going to be soon that they can actually track words you don't end up sending, that you can write something, delete it, but it yes. will remember? It yeah. Will, yeah. Yeah. So not only uh, is the NSA doing that, um, and there have been articles uh, about that based on the information released by Glenn Greenwald, um, there are private corporations that do that. There's um, OKCupid is a large American uh, dating site and they've taken it upon themselves to record the composition process of a message that's sent using their website. So obviously the way that someone composes a message is super revealing of their thought process. Um, to see what someone deletes or moves around or sort of emphasises in the process of composition, that could really tell you a lot about them. <sighs> well, this is really quite depressing. This it one. is depressing. I mean, <laughs> do we have any... Is there a bright side to this? Do we have... Do we have something encouraging to talk about? Cryptography, perhaps? I mean, there's really nothing in the way of a simple-to-use cryptography tool um, that uh, the general populace can use to, to conceal their communications. And there are, of course... Necessity being the mother of invention, you think this might um, get someone working on that pretty look, quickly? I mean, to put the lie to what I just said, there are a few tools out there. There are. Um, but they're pretty limited in scope. And they're often quite complicated to use. And more worrying, by the way, is the recent dissolution of the team that was building TrueCrypt. TrueCrypt was really the go-to software for encrypting files um, on a computer. And the team that was building it was anonymous. Now, that team, for no apparent reason, disbanded about three months ago. That doesn't sound uh, no. at all dodgy. There are all sorts of theories about what's happened there. Some people are saying they're being pursued by the NSA. Some people are saying that they were actually hired the, by the NSA. NSA. Or they have since been hired. <laughs> yeah, or there's that too. Um, there's Stop a, doing what you're doing. Here's a job. Yeah. It's, it's pretty worrisome. So that particular project has fallen into disrepair. I think there's a Kickstarter uh, that was uh, held or run to um, basically obtain the funds to uh, re to, to audit TrueCrypt and to uh, re-release it after doing a thorough security audit. But the reality is, 
is that the Snowden revelations basically prove that virtually nothing is safe. Tor, um, otherwise known as the Onion Browser, is a good way to conceal communications, but certainly not um, NSA-proof. There are um, examples of the NSA being able to circumvent the protections that Tor allow for. Uh, I think there are a lot of developers out there now working on ways that um, people, ways for people to communicate anonymously. But really, when you have the resources of the United States security apparatus focused on these very few products that facilitate anonymous communication, not many of them are going to withstand that, that penetrative scrutiny. Um, they're just not. I, I think that the idea of privacy from government has become an illusion. And I don't know what that means. I just know that it's a big deal. It's super worrying. And uh, I'm not sure that the requisite increase in empowerment of individuals to have their say outweighs that, that boon to government abilities. To take a, um, a contrary view for a moment. Yeah, please. <laughs> please. Tell me why I'm wrong, man. I no, no, just, just looking at everything we've been saying over the past however long we've been saying. Uh, do you think it's at all possible or likely that all these laws go through, we all, you know... Our basic freedoms are all chipped away. We're all under online surveillance 24 hours a day when we're not doing it to ourselves already. And uh, no one gives a shit. Life goes on. And uh, and people maybe five years from now, ten years now, from now, if they happen to hear this, might be saying, what the fuck were these guys talking about? Um, I can't imagine a world where humans have access to this level of information and don't abuse it. <laughs> I just, it just goes against all of the history about the conduct of human beings that we have to hand. Uh, there's already been revelations that NSA employees were passing around nude pictures of people they were surveilling. I mean, yeah. it's just human nature. And I think that not to acknowledge that there will be abuses inevitably is silly. It's wishful thinking. Um, it's, it's, I go so far as to say the idea that these are all professionals that are beyond, that, that are unimpeachable in character, that's propaganda. Yeah. I just thought I'd, uh, I'd bring up an, an argument that maybe someone disagreeing with us might bring up. Um, and just, just on that, why I think... Um, it's uh, it's not going to be the case um, that five or ten years from now everything will be just brilliant um, if all this uh, goes ahead. Um, and it's a slightly more insidious uh, effect, which I think it'll have. Um, and that's the self-censorship that people automatically do when they know they're being watched. Yeah. Um, it's... Um, it's... Uh, I'm, ex uh, yeah. I'm exhibit A, man. Yeah. I'm already censoring what I write down. Yeah. Um, and when, when you're self-censoring, when you're doing that sort of thing, 
when you're not allowing yourself to explore dangerous ideas and go to places just on an intellectual level and really look at things from all different sides um, and, wi and write about them and talk to your friends online about them and things like that, um, then you're, you're limiting your own capacity for growth. And if every individual is limiting their own capacity for growth, then surely society and community's capacity for growth is similarly limited. For me, this is why I think it's, uh, you know, this is why I think these freedoms are so important and why I think, you know, oh, if you're not doing anything wrong, you've got nothing to fear is the sign of a moron. Um, a moron who's never had an interesting idea in their fucking yeah. life. Um, it's because the end result, as far as I can see, of all this stuff that we've been talking about is the diminishment of the human race as a whole. And that sounds like an absurdly grandiose statement. But when you just bring it back to each individual on their own, censoring themselves, when you just take that out to their group of friends, their community, their country, you can see how... Uh, am I crazy? Is that... No, is that a fair? I think that's a fair extrapolation. <laughs> uh, I do, and the reason that I think that's fair is because I see it in my own conduct already. Um, I will often have an idea. I'll think better of putting it into the giant surveillance web that we call the internet, and I'll write it down in a notebook that I now maintain because you know that's the only way I can be sure that no one else is going to look at it, and it's not like. I'm writing down controversial stuff. I just like the idea of privacy. It's a basic human desire to want to not be observed at all times. You know, um, the fact that, uh, I mean, just even at, the, at a basic level, if you want to fuck, you don't want to be watched. Yeah. <laughs> now, the fact that the NSA is able to tap into your phone and use it like a bug, I've got to say, at this juncture, Yes, uh, I mean, it's not like I'm thinking about that while I'm fucking, but I'm just saying that it's... Could be a distraction. It's certainly, if you are someone, if you're a political dissident of some description, the idea that your phone can be used against you like a weapon by people who have an interest in stifling any kind of dissent you might be engaged with is a very distressing idea. And I don't think that we should be distressing political dissidents or people who disagree with the system at large. I think those people should be treasured. Um, what? Sorry. What I'm are you just, laughing I can't... I just, I just can't get past the mental image of a bloke uh, sitting on the edge of the bed feeling very sorry for himself. Baby, what's wrong? <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I'm just worried about the NSA bugging my phone and listening in on me. It's my it affects my performance. Well, it would be reasonable to think that that's a serious risk if you're engaged in dissenting activity, yeah. whatever that might be. Um, and, and it's not like people's sexual pro um, uh, preferences uh, haven't been things that governments have used against political dissidents in the past all around the world. Yeah. Well, actually, there were Snowden revelations to the effect that they were collecting um, traffic uh, around the porn sites that guys were visiting um, in an effort to use that information to discredit those people. 
particularly like in the um, you know in the radical Islamic community, if you've got a dude who's really into like you know jerking off to to women smashing watermelons, like that's going to be pretty undermining if it becomes public knowledge to that guy, right? And I actually know a few people who you know those little cameras on your computer. Yeah. This little camera here. Yeah. Um, I know people who put tape over that because they're uncomfortable at, about the idea of the NSA surveilling them while they jerk off. I thought you were about to say you know some people who uh, like to jerk off looking at women smashing water. <laughs> no, I haven't come across that yet. <laughs> but there's a fetish for everything, as they say. Um, the internet is uh, an endless panoply of sexual deviation. Um, so I just think that when we're, when we're at the point where, to my mind, reasonable people have to cover up the camera on their computer because they're concerned about government agencies filming them while they jerk off. Like, isn't that a good indicator that we've gone somewhere yeah, that we we've, didn't we've, want to go? We've crossed a line somewhere. That's that's actually probably... I mean, these people are not tin foil hat characters. I mean, these are reasonable people I know who now consider that it's a good idea to tape up that camera. Um, and uh, i got to say, I had bloody tape over my camera for a while, although it became super inconvenient, so I haven't done it, but I should probably do it again. Not because I'm that worried about it, but just because, hell, man, it's the last thing I want to be thinking about if I decide to jerk off. Performance issues. Performance issues, yeah, there's that. And then there's just the fact that you don't want to be observed <laughs> while you're jerking off, and that's where we're at. That's, uh, we're actually that's having where a Western conversation. society has come, has come to Actually having a conversation. Um, And, you know, that really pisses me off. Um, What else is there to say about this, dude? There's probably a lot to say about it, but I'm actually getting a bit hungry now. Yeah, that's right. Dinner's in the oven. So I think this is probably an appropriate time to sign off. Yeah, I think Um, we've covered uh, a fair bit of ground. I think we have, although I feel like it's pretty hopeless, man. Yeah, like I, in terms of Pat and Rod save the world, I'm really struggling for uh, an upside to any of this and a, and a workable solution. I really like our idea of if you want to actually um, not uh, not be defeated by the terrorist stated aim of destroying your freedoms by doing the work for them and actually embracing more freedom. But since I can't actually see any government taking that track, I um. I'm just feeling more depressed than ever, really. I don't know, Rod. We... Ah. That's dinner, everyone. Um, What I will say, though, is that um, clearly our solution about the state sanctioning uh, more men getting fucked in the ass is a good one, and we'd like Tony to take us up on it, however unlikely. Um... And I can't really think of anything else. Um, so, look, in the absence of any great ideas, yeah, let's uh, call it... Uh, let's call that one a night. Let's call it a night. Thanks, everyone. Speak to you soon.